Well, today is Palm Sunday, and what does Palm Sunday mean? I mean, what is Palm Sunday about? On Friday, my family and I, we went to uh, Blanchard Springs to go camping. If you've ever been down there, it's a beautiful place to camp. And uh, so we went down there, and we're driving down, and on the right-hand side, as we're almost out there to Blanchard Springs, there's a big field with uh, horses uh, all over the field. And so all the kids, of course, you know, they're, they're city kids, and, and so they look over, they're all excited about the horses. And there's one donkey. Uh, there's horses everywhere. There's one donkey in the field. And so from the back seat, my little son Luke says, uh, Daddy, do you think that's the donkey that Jesus rode on to, uh, to go into Jerusalem? And I said, uh, no, I, I don't think it's the same uh, donkey, Luke. And he said, well, and, and I said, well, wh- wh- why do you think that's the same donkey? And he says, well, he looked like such a nice donkey. <laughs> and so this is Palm Sunday, the, the day that Jesus uh, rode into Jerusalem on the, uh, on the back of a nice little donkey. And uh, all the, the crowd, all the children, they put palm branches before the donkey. And the question is, what does this mean? I mean, it's cute. Uh, you know, cute little donkey, nice donkey, a beautiful scene. But what does it mean? What is Palm Sunday about? Well, Palm Sunday is, is the day that Jesus Christ proclaimed himself as king. It was, it was the day that Jesus publicly announced that he was the king, not only of Jerusalem, but, to, but the king of the world. So Palm Sunday today is a day that we recognize the kingship of Jesus. It's also a day that we realize that all of us are ruled by something. All of us are are controlled. All of us are ruled by something. All of us have a master. And today is a day where we acknowledge the fact that every single one of us has a king. It's either Jesus or somebody or something else. And Palm Sunday reminds me of this great quote by Becky Pippert. She said this, Whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by acceptance. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. And so this is the message of Palm Sunday. That you are serving something or somebody. You do have a king. You do have a master. It's either Jesus Christ or it's something else. And so Palm Sunday, it tells us that we've got to make a decision. Jesus, when he entered into Jerusalem that day, presses us into a decision about him. Will we serve him or will we serve some other master? Because all of us have a Lord, all of us have a king. Who is the God that we're serving? Uh, Becky Pippert reminds us that. And and Palm Palm Sunday also reminds me of uh, Bob Dylan. Does it remind me of anybody else of Bob Dylan? Uh, way back in 1979, Bob Dylan uh, sang a song. It was on his album, Slow Train Coming. And uh, Bo- Bob Dylan actually converted to Christian faith at one time. I don't know if he still would claim uh, Christianity. But on that album, he sings a song uh, where he said, we all serve somebody. <clears throat> we all serve somebody. He says, you've got to serve somebody in the little chorus. You've got to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord but you've got to serve somebody. And so Bob Dylan says, you've got to make a decision. You are either serving Jesus, the true king, or something else. None of us are truly free. All of us have a master. And Bob Dylan sings, who are you going to serve? You've got to make a decision. This is the message of Palm Sunday, right? There is no middle ground. Yet there are many of us this morning, as we think about the decision, are racked with, with indecision. Right? A lot of us this morning are in the middle. We're, we're racked with, with indecision about which master we're going to serve. 
right? We may say that we want to serve Jesus, but there are all these other gods that are vying for our attention, right? There's Jesus on this side, but there's sex, money, and power on the other side, all vying for our ultimate allegiance. There are many of us in the middle. We are racked with with, uh, uh, indecision about which master we're going to serve. Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son, in 1996, wrote his own song. And, uh, you know, Jake, Jacob Dylan, he's the lead singer of the Wallflowers uh, in the 90s, which, uh, to me, that was the golden age of music, right? Anybody with me there? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lucas. <laughs> Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son, lead singer of the Wallflowers, he sings a song about indecision. It was called One Headlight. Remember the, the chorus? Come on, try a little. Nothing is forever. There's got to be something better than in the middle. And there are many of us this morning who are in the middle. We are struggling with indecision. Who are you going to serve? God is on the one side, the the masters of sex, money, and power on the other. And we are racked with indecision about which master we want to serve. James in the New Testament says that many of us are double-minded. We are are double-minded and unstable in all of our ways. We're racked with with indecision about which master we're going to serve. We're in the middle, just as uh, Jacob Dylan sang in his song. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to look at Exodus 14. And Exodus 14 is a story about indecision. It's a story about the time that Israel was racked with indecision about which master they were going to serve. Right, here they are, and they're in between two kings. They're in between two masters, and they're, and they're struggling with, with a decision about which master they want to serve. And we're going to see what, what it looks like for them to struggle, and hopefully we'll understand a bit about our struggle here. And so if you haven't been with us, let me, let me uh, catch you up to the story. So uh, at this point in the narrative, uh, Moses has gone to Pharaoh, and he says, uh, let my people go. Pharaoh, of course, said no. And so God sends 10 plagues on the land land of Egypt to change Pharaoh's mind. And after the 10th plague, the the most severe plague, Pharaoh finally reaches the point where he's ready to to give in. And he changes his mind and he says, okay, fine, you can go. And he lets God's people go. And so here we are in the story. uh, God has led the people of Israel into the wilderness And he doesn't lead them directly into the promised land because he doesn't want them to be afraid with immediate fighting of the Philistines, which which they would meet there. And so he leads them kind of an out-of-the-way direction into the wilderness there. And uh, in the wilderness, we find that they are racked with indecision. Because what happens? Uh, They find themselves in between two kings. Uh, On the one side is the God of Israel, the the God who, who rescued them, the Lord of the universe, the God who sent the ten plagues to pull them out of slavery. The good Lord, the good king is in front of them, leading them forward. But then behind them, remember, Pharaoh has changed his mind. He's let uh, the, the people go, and he says, fine, you can leave. But then he sees, it's almost comical, he says, wait a minute. Wait, what did I just do? I just let my slaves go. Oh my gosh. And so he gathers 600 chariots, all this artillery, and then he be, proceeds to chase after the people of Israel. And so here's Israel. Get the picture. There's the good Lord, their, their new king on one side. There is the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, on the other, other side pursuing them. They're in between these two lords. They're in between the two masters. 
and they can't decide which one they want to serve. Now, for me, this seems like a no-brainer, right? Which one? There's the good Lord who rescued you out of Egypt on one side, and then there's the oppressive slave driver on the other. It seems like a no-brainer. Yes, you serve the Lord. You serve the good king. But here they are racked with undecision. They want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back and serve the Pharaoh again. And they can't decide what to do. They're racked with indecision here. And so what I want to do is I want to look at, there's a little passage here where it really shows them struggling. Chapter, uh, chapter four, uh, 14, verses 12 and 13. And what we have here is we see them struggling. And we get a glimpse into why they're struggling with indecision. This is almost a psychology of their indecision. You get underneath their, their, their struggle to decide to, to which master they're going to serve. And so I want to look at their indecision. I want to look at this, this psychology of, of their struggle. Because I think we see three things that fuel their indecision here. There are three things that are underneath their inability to decide which master they're going to serve. And I think these three things are the same three things that we struggle with as we sit in the middle, struggling which which God we're going to serve. And so uh, let's get into the story here. This is uh, verse uh, uh, 12. And the first thing that I think that fuels their indecision is they forget. And that's the first thing that fuels our indecision is we can't decide which master to to serve. We forget. We forget what it was like under the old regime. We forget what it was like when we are ruled by the old master. This is at chapter 14, verse 12. We'll just begin in verse 10. It says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, It is because we are, or is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? That you've, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you when we were in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the wilderness. And so the first thing we see here is that these people, they're, they're, they've forgotten what it was like under the slavery of Pharaoh. That's why they want to go back. This is why they're struggling. This is why we're, they're thinking, man, it might be a good idea to go, go back to that old master. They have selective memory. Right? They're remembering, uh, they're looking at Egypt and the, the uh, slavery of Pharaoh through rose-colored glasses. And a lot of times this is what we do. When we look, look at our old gods of sex, money, and power, we, we sort of forget what it was really like under the old regime. And you look at this. This is actually incredible what they say. They say, look, is this not what we told you when we were in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. We like it here in Egypt. Let us serve Pharaoh. Go away. He's, they said, Didn't, isn't this what we told you <clears throat> when we were in Egypt? Now, when you see that, this is crazy because that's not at all what they said to, to, to Moses in Egypt. If you look back, uh, there's a passage here, and uh, it's in uh, 429. So if you go back to Exodus 429, we'll see what actually happened when they were in uh, Egypt. Uh, 429, Moses and Aaron uh, went and gathered together all the elders of the people. This is in in Egypt. And Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did signs in the sight of all the people. 
And listen, it says the people believed. And when they heard the word that had, that had visited the people of Israel, that, he had been, that God had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshipped God. Right, and so this is what really happened. You know, as they looked back, I mean, this can only be called absolutely delusional thinking. <laughs> right, this is, not, this is not a clear picture of reality. They are pathologically out of touch with what it was really like under the old regime. They've forgotten. And so they're struggling. Should we, maybe we should go back to Pharaoh. Hey, it wasn't so bad there. They're remembering all the good things. And they're forgetting all the bad. This is why you're struggling this morning. Is you remember the old regime uh, with rose-colored glasses. You're forgetting all the bad. Now, I've never had a baby. <clears throat> no surprise. Uh, but my wife has had four babies. And I was, I was asking her, I was like, you know, I, told, I was telling her about this story and how the uh, uh, Israelites were wanting to go back to to Pharaoh, and I said, can you think of an illustration about when you're going through extreme pain, and you finally get out of that pain, and then some, for some reason you want to go back? And she said, having a baby. You know, she's had four C-sections. They were all incredibly painful. I was there for every single one, and it was painful for me, right? Blood everywhere. I mean, it was terrible. But then, <laughs> I don't do well with blood. And uh, anyway, so, you know, She's had four babies. After every single one, two weeks later, she's ready to have another one. Because you forget the pain. All you remember is the little baby. And this is the way you remember the the, uh, oppressive slavery of your old masters, of sex, money, and power, whatever it is. Right? You forget the bad. You forget the pain. You forget the guilt. Right? If your old God was money, you forget the sleepless nights, racked with anxiety. Right? You forget what it's really like. And so, and so this is why you start following Jesus and you say, well, gosh, money, money, I should maybe go back to that master. Right? It's selective memory. You forget what it was really like under that old master. This is why they're struggling. This is why they're in between. This is why they're thinking of going back. They've forgotten the pain and the horror of what it was like. Well, there's another reason why they're struggling with, indif- in, uh, with uh, going back. Where they're, why they're, this is the indecision. They're in the middle. There's another reason. Not only did they forget, but they also feared. Fear is another reason why you're in the middle. Fear is another reason why you are undecided about which master you're going to serve. You see, a lot of times what happens is there, there's a strange comfort in slavery. There's a strange uh, security in your old master. And when you leave that security blanket, when, when you leave the slavery of Pharaoh, sometimes that's scary. There, there's a big question mark in front of you, and, and it's a scary thing to leave the old master. And so a lot of times fear leads us back. Fear leads us back. And so here, uh, and, and it, there's no wonder that, that they're afraid here. I mean, you look uh, in front of them, uh, you know, here God has led the people of Israel into a dead end. Right in front of them is the, the Red Sea. They're stuck. There's, no, there's nowhere to go. And then behind them is this old master, the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh has 600 chariots. He's got all this artillery and all this power, and he's chasing them down. 
And they're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, this guy's going to get us. This guy's going to kill us. And we're, there's nowhere else to go. And maybe we should go back and just say, just kidding. <laughs> we didn't mean to leave you, Pharaoh. It was just a joke, right? Right? They're, they're terrified here. And a lot of times it's fear that drives us back. It's fear that keeps us in the middle. There's a strange comfort in your old slavery. And it beckons you back. It beckons you back. In the New Testament, there's a story of uh, this man who was, uh, for a long, all of his life, he was in this, he was diseased, he was paralyzed. And he's laying by this pool, you know, on a mat, and he's, and he's stuck there with all these other uh, people in paralysis. And Jesus comes to this man one day, and he's about to heal him, and he looks at the man, and he says some, something interesting. He says, do you want to be healed? That seems like a really dumb question. Of course he wants to be healed. He's in paralysis. Of course he wants to be healed, but it's a great question. Do you really want to be healed? There's a strange comfort in his paralysis. And and the freedom of walking is exciting, but it's scary. Do you really want to be healed? And these people, it's like like they were in, in Egypt for 400 years. This is all they've ever known. Slavery was all that they ever knew. It was, it, there was a strange comfort in their, in their slavery. And now they're out. Now they're free. And now there's a big question mark about the future. And, and out of fear, they're thinking, you know, maybe I should just go back to that. And it's not only that. There's Pharaoh chasing after them, saying, look, serve me or die. You need me. You have to go back to me. You don't know what it's like out there. S- serve me or die. And out of terror, out of fear, they're thinking, maybe that's a good idea. Right, a lot of times the slavery that we know is preferable to the freedom we don't know. And that, that is why a lot of probably addicts go back to the bottle. This is why a lot of people uh, who are addicted to sex go back to internet pornography. There's a strange comfort in addiction. A great quote. <clears throat> this is by uh, Philip Reichen. He says this. He says, we decide to follow Christ, but as soon as we start having problems, we get scared. And we go right back to our old ways of coping. Anger, addiction, depression, distraction. No matter how much we used to hate it, there was a strange security in the way we used to live. So we return to the same old harmful friendships, the same old sinful attitudes, the same old nasty habits. Right, there's a strange comfort in the old master. And this is why you're racked with with, a... with indecision. You don't know what to do. You're in between two kings and the old one is beckoning you back, beckoning you back, saying, you need me to cope. You need me to live. You want to come back. They were afraid. So they're right in the middle. They're struggling with indecision. Number one, because they forgot. They forgot what it was really like. Right? They're, the selective memory here, pathological distortion of reality. But then they're afraid. They're afraid because now that we've left the, the slavery, that's all we've ever known. And this God, we, this God is leading us to the Red Sea. What's going to happen? Maybe I needed th- those old lords. Maybe I needed sex, money, and power to keep me going. They were afraid. This is why they were struggling with indecision. And then finally, uh, I want you to see, not only did they fear, but they also doubted. <clears throat> it was doubt that kept them in the middle. It was doubt. Now, uh, here's what I want you to see, is when they're, 
uh, when they're going out and, and they go, Moses is leading them into the desert and they're, and they're starting to complain, notice what it says here. It says uh, in verse uh, 11, no verse 12, no verse 11, <laughs> they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? <laughs> what is this? This is sarcasm at its finest. And I love this, uh, all the way through, the people of Israel are just completely sarcastic all the time. They're making jokes at the expense of God. And they're saying, you know, what, were there, there weren't enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? Is that what it is? Now, why do people use sarcasm? Why, do you, why are you so sarcastic? Why do people use sarcasm? It's because there is an extreme lack of trust in their leaders. And sarcasm is a way to say, I don't trust you. I see right through you. I know your motives. And what's going on here? Th this is a, they are doubting the goodness of their new king. What, does he want to just bring us out to die? Is that what it was? There wasn't enough graves in Egypt? How can we trust this new king? How do we know that he knows what's best for us? How do we know that he's got our best interests in mind? How can we trust, you want us to follow this king? I don't really trust this king. Now you can't blame them because they've been mistreated by their authorities for 400 years. They've got trust issues, these people. And now there's a new authority, there's a new king, there's the Lord who says, trust me. And they're saying, I don't know if I could do that. How do I know that you have my best interests in mind? And I think this is true of a lot of people. They've got trust issues. Right? God says, I want you to save sex for marriage. And they say, how do I know I can trust that God? How do I know that he knows what's best for me? How do I know that? Or he says, look, God says, look, I want you to give your money away. I want you to be generous. Uh, I, I need that money. How do I know that he's going to take care of me? You see, there are trust issues that keep you from giving your life to the new king. When you look way back at the very beginning at Adam and Eve, wasn't it trust issues that caused them to eat the apple? You know, the, the devil came in the form of the serpent. He didn't say, God doesn't exist, or God's not powerful. What did he say? He says, God is holding out on you. God doesn't love you. God is not good. He's holding out on you. And so they don't trust this God. And so they, they walk away. And a lot of times it is lack of trust that keeps us in the middle. We are wavering. We are double-minded. We are racked with indecision because we really don't trust our new king. And so there it is. The three things that, that kept them in. This is the psychology of indecision. Uh, this is what keeps you in the middle. This is what keeps you, uh, you know, wavering between two opinions. You forget what it's like under the old uh, masters of sex, money, and power, and the like. You, you're afraid. The old master is saying, you need me. Life is scary. And then there's doubt. Can I really trust Jesus? Can I really trust him with my life and my sexuality and my money and my job? So you go back and forth. <clears throat> well, let me apply it. Let me apply this before we, before we leave here today because maybe you are, that's where you are this morning. You are like Jacob Dylan saying, you are in the middle. 
You're in the middle. You are, you are double, you're a double-minded man or woman. You're going back and forth, and you cannot decide which master you're going to serve. What do you do? Let me give you three things that you can do tomorrow, okay? Because you're going to wake up tomorrow, and, and there are always gods in your life that are going to vie for your allegiance. You're, you're always going to be in between the two, and every day you've got to decide to follow your new master. Every day you've got to do that. There's always going to be a battle. And so what do you do when that battle comes? The first thing I want to tell you is that, you know, don't forget, but remember. Remind yourself every day what it was like under the old masters. Okay, so if your old master is money, okay, if money is something you find yourself serving and giving your allegiance to, remind yourself of the anxiety. Remind yourself what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night worried about money. Remind yourself of the guilt of being stingy and how it feels just to be closed off. Remind yourself of the pain and the sorrow and the misery under the slavery of that old master. Remind yourself what it's really like. So remember, and then secondly, I want to tell you, what if you're struggling, you need to rebel. Okay, rebel against that old master. Okay, you thought that the only person you could rebel against was God? Every time you decide to follow Jesus, you are simultaneously rebelling against your old master. And it's good to rebel sometimes. Rebel against sex. Rebel against uh, the God of sexuality. Rebel against the God of money and greed. Rebel against the God of power and approval. Rebel against your old master. Look at that old master and say, I don't need you anymore. I don't need you anymore. You can't control me anymore because I don't need you. And you rebel against that old oppressor in your life. Sometimes it's good to rebel. There's a great story of St. Augustine. Can I tell a story of St. Augustine? Uh, he, before he was a, a Christian, he was serving the God of sexuality. Right? He was very promiscuous and serving that God. He decided to change his allegiance and follow the true God. One day he was walking down the street and a woman that he had uh, been promiscuous with saw him, and she, she cried out, Augustine, here I am, here I am. And he looked at her, and he started to run the other way. <laughs> and he ran the other way, and he, and he just ran away from this, old, from this woman. And she chased him down the street, and she chased him down the, and down the alleyway, and there was no way for him to go. And uh, she said, don't worry, it is I, it is I. And he said, yeah, but it's not I. I'm a different man. I'm serving a new Lord. And he looked at her square in the face. He didn't say this, but this is what he meant. I don't need you anymore. I don't need you anymore. And he rebelled against the old oppressive master of explicit sexuality. What old ma Identify the old master that seeks to control you. Because every single one of us has one of those. And you rebel against that old master. Sometimes it's good to be defiant against the right thing. So you remember, you rebel, but then I want to encourage you to step out. Step out. Step out and trust your new Lord. This, you know, uh, choosing the right king, choosing to follow Jesus, Palm Sunday, deciding for Jesus is always an act 
of courageous trust. Because giving your allegiance to this Lord is stepping out in faith and putting your life in his hands. That always takes trust. That always takes courage. You're stepping off the ledge. In the story, this is exactly what Moses tells them to do. So after they've complained and after they've said, oh, maybe we should go back and I don't know what we're going to do, this is what Moses says in verse 21. I'm sorry, in verse 15. He says, uh, he says, I'm sorry, way back uh, in verse uh, 13. Moses said to the people, right here they are racked with ambivalency. Maybe he says the same thing to you. Moses says to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. What's he telling the people? He's saying, step out. I know there's a sea in front of you, but I want you to put your life into the hands of the Lord. He's going to take care of you. He's a good king. He's a good master. So step out. Put your life in his hands. You say, well, how do I know I can trust him? Notice the very last uh, little line in the story. He says, I want you to stand still, fear not, see the salvation of the Lord. And then in verse 14, for the Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. This Lord, how do you know you can trust this new king? Because this new king will fight for you. Your old master fights against you. He fights you. The Pharaoh wants to fight you. And the Pharaoh is against your flourishing. Sex, money, and power, they look so attractive, and yet they will destroy you. They're against you. It's so enticing to serve these things, but they will eat you alive. They will fight you. They'll fight against you. But here's the thing about your, your king, the Lord. He will fight for you. He is for you. And in Egypt, you remember that, that God, God, God is proving himself all the way through. He's saying, look, I'm good. You can trust me. Look, I sent the plagues on Egypt. I was fighting for you. Next chapter, you should come back next week. He's going to split the Red Sea. I've, I'm, I'm fighting for you. And then years later on the cross, Jesus Christ hung up there, bleeding and broken. What was he doing? This was, the, this was your master fighting for you because he loves you and he's trustworthy. So step out and follow this king. And so Palm Sunday, what does it teach us? It teaches us to stop the madness, stop the indecision. Get, there's, there's got to be something better than in the middle. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. Choose today who you will serve. There are old masters vying for your allegiance every day. Sex, money, power, approval, control. They will eat, your, they, they will eat you alive. Choose today and choose tomorrow to serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this passage about uh, Israel as they were in between two kings, two masters, the Pharaoh on one side and the God of Israel on the, on the other. And Father, there are some of us today that are, uh, maybe we've never made the decision to give our lives to you, God. We've just sort of been in the middle. 
not really for you, not really against you. But Lord, I pray that today we would decide to follow you, to give our, our allegiance to you because you're a good master. And Father, those of us who are struggling with going back to whatever uh, master is vying for our allegiance, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to trust you, Lord, to make that decision once again to put our lives in your hand and to give our whole selves and our whole allegiance completely to you. Father, I pray that you would give us the strength to do this. God, we thank you that you have died and defeated our enemies for us. You've gone before us and proven yourself trustworthy. We pray that we would trust you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.